Welcome to San Diego Sessions. We're here today with vocalist and guitarist Sahara Grimm. Listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. Hello, good morning, and welcome to San Diego Sessions, episode 50-something. I'm your host, Ian Tordella. And I'm your other host, Ed Kornhauser. And there is a United Airlines flight flying overhead. Yes, we're over at uh, Victory Mansions, a.k.a. Dirty Boulevard Recording Company West today. And we're here with special guest, uh, vocalist and songwriter, Sahara Grimm. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Thanks for coming. Before we get into some of her new music, I have some inane questions for ed or this is our ever popular segment called this versus that oh a quest away and in case you're new to this this is when i I give ed two jazz musicians or other person of note and he must pick one and only one so first up Hmm. uh trumpet player who was played with duke ellington count basie and was in quincy jones dream band Clark Terry okay. versus a uh, pianist who was at the birth of the hard bop movement. Sonny Clark? Sonny Clark. I knew it. Called it. Uh, ooh, that's a tough one. Oh, that's a tough one because like, they're, both, they're both terrific. <laughs> this is totally like a personal preference and will change on the, change on the day you ask me. Uh, I'm going to go classic Clark Terry. All right, yeah, yeah, Clark Terry. I I admit to being a teenager and finding uh, Mumbles hilarious too. You know the two. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, his. yeah. He has some of the great. Yeah, it's one of his. Of yeah, that's his most famous, probably. Yeah, but Sonny Clark, you know, you got to give props to, to Sonny Clark, of course. And I I hadn't listened to it in a long time, but if you ever wished there was another record that sounds exactly like Blue Train and has all the same solos from Blue Train played with the same inflections, it's got to be Sonny's Crib which is recorded September 1st of 1957, whereas Blue Train was recorded September 15th. Oh, and they wow. both have Curtis Fuller, Coltrane, um, and Sonny's Crib has Donald Byrd, who, of course, worked with Train quite a bit, but on, mm. on Blue Train, it's Lee Morgan. But wow. man, it's like almost, you, you put it on, it's almost the same record. <laughs> and they even do like a blues with a bridge. Well, same, so. same studio or...? Yeah, they were both Blue Note. They were both Rudy wow. Van Gelder. They're, everyone was so. in the same headspace. Room tone was similar. Wow. Yeah, I mean, literally like two huh. weeks before. That's amazing. Okay, <laughs> I got to check that yeah, out. Yeah, check it out. Sonny's Crib. How did you find that out? That... Uh, we were playing one of those tunes from Sonny's Crib in a combo I was teaching, and it was a blues with a bridge. And then I listened to the source track, and I was like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> so, and then found out it has all these connections. That's yeah, really well, cool. and I'd heard the record before, but I never knew that it was 
you know, I mean, within a, a couple of weeks yeah. of the other record. Wow. Okay, next up, uh, saxophonist, also with Duke Ellington for a long time, Ben Webster mm. versus uh, a trumpet player who is seldom recorded but was a, known for having a massive, great sound. He was cited by Dizzy and Miles for being a huge influence on their tone, Freddie Webster. Oh, wow. I'm... I'm much less familiar with with Freddie Webster. Uh, we'll have to have Sarah break the tie. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say the same. Not She's familiar like Freddie. with Freddie. I know Ben. I know Ben Webster, and I and I love Ben Webster. So I'm gonna go with Ben. Right, what was his nickname? The Beast, the Brute, the was, Brute. Was it the I Brute? Believe, yeah, the Brute. Yeah, something like yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm feeling brutish. All right, and the last one. Uh, before you hit unsubscribe, you can make it through one more of these. Hang in there. <laughs> Hang in there, audience. Pianist and free jazz pioneer Paul Blay, who played, actually he played with Charlie Parker, Jackie McLean, um, Mingus, Jimmy Jufri, and of course uh, he was associated with um, Steve Swallow and played with Sonny Rollins in the 60s. Versus pianist and arranger of note, Carla Blay. I was going to say. <laughs> Who also is known for her association with Jimmy Jufri and, of course, Steve Swallow. I'm going to go Carla Blay. And they're divorced. But. Yeah. I, I, but they... Well, is Paul Blay still around? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Carla if, is. If only we had these devices in our hand. That could if just... only I could have looked this up before. Yeah. All right. Without, no, further, without further ado, that was edition 50-something of This Versus That. And we're here with special guest, Sahara Grimm, and we're going to hear a track from your new record. What's this one called? Yeah, this first song is called What's Inside. It's the first song on the EP. What's Stop. 
And we're back. And that was What's Inside off of Sahara Grimm's new EP, Current of Being. And we were talking earlier, um, you're an alumni of SCPA, which is San Diego School for Creative and Performing Arts. Mm -hmm. And this record featured Hugo Suarez on keys, who also is an alumni of there. Is he? Right? I I don't, I don't think he is. Think he is. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Never mind. Sorry, Hugo. But tell us, tell us who else was on the um, album. Yeah, it was. Correct me here. It was um. Well, Johnny Steele. He's he's an alum from SCPA. He's on drums. Um, Jake Nuffer was on guitar. Um, Micah Moffat was on bass, whom I met kind of later on. And Hugo. I'm not sure where he went, but he was on keys. Hugo Suarez. Are you playing guitar as well? Or? Um, not in the EP. But okay. when we play live, I do. Nice. Is this mm-hmm. your first um, album as a leader? Mm-hmm, yeah, first kind of solid project I've put out. Great, and it's all mm-hmm. all original music. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Uh, where and when did you record it? Um, last December we recorded it, and then after a whole a whole thing of putting it all together, it finally was like out in spring. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a pretty good turnaround. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize how long everything was gonna take. So I mean, because it d- involves collaborating with so many people, I was like, I'll put this out a month later. <laughs> actually, really, to get it out in spring—that's not a bad turnaround at all. There's yeah, it was pretty quick, honestly. Yeah. Mired for a year or more sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with more times, budget, yeah. yeah, I would have liked to do more with it, but I think with the time and budget we had, I'm happy with it. And did you try to record it when people were in town? I know because um, yes. Uh, Hugo's back and forth between here and L.A., although actually I believe he he's now living in San Diego. And mm-hmm. Johnny, the drummer, is at Juilliard in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Jake Nuffer is also in New York at the New School. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we kind of just have this, like, broken up band all year. And when we're all in town, we finally get to play together. And I have other people I play with in L.A. in the meantime. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should clarify. You are from here, but you're currently uh, living yeah, in Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm going to school over there. Mm-hmm. Nice. At uh, UCLA. Yes. Right on. What's your, what's your major out there? Um, ethnomusicology, jazz studies. So I'm focusing in uh, jazz vocal performance. Right on. Yeah. And did you do this record in San Diego or up in L.A.? Um, in San Diego, because that's where we're all from, and we want to do it at home nice. <laughs> while we were all in town. Nice. But this next recording is going to be in L.A. Oh, yeah. You're, you are prepping for another mm-hmm. recording. Is it again going to be when everyone's kind of in town, same personnel? Or? Um, yeah, we're planning for like the first week of January. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, Chris, wow. Around that time. Cranking yeah. out the records. I got to finish writing these songs for it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, all these are, are your, you're a singer songwriter as well as, you know, a, yeah. you're studying jazz. Uh, who are some of your influences as a songwriter? Oh, so many. Um, I, I really like, um, I think why I started writing music was when I really got into listening to Esperanza Spalding when I was like in high school. I like loved her. So I want to start writing that kind of music in that direction more. Um, Obviously, I love Hiatus Coyote. Everyone's always like, do you listen to Napalm? I'm like, yeah, Yeah. love her. Um, But I love like world music, too. Like I like to listen to a lot of like um, Indian classical music and um, music from like Africa and I love like Brazilian jazz and um, I love Stevie Wonder Mm. and just so many great influences that all kind of come into like one thing for me. Yeah, Mm. put it all together. It's kind of a great mix. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in terms of your writing, were, were there any, I struggle with how to say this, but were, was there any like specific thematic content you thought to explore through this collection of tunes, either musically or, or lyrically as well? Yeah, like, was there, like, kind of one big idea yeah, for the EP? Yeah. Not really. I kind of wanted it to be, like, um, like a moment in time of, like, where I was that year in my life. Like, all these songs were written at, like, very different parts of the year. Hmm. And they're not really related to each other, but it's kind of, like, different uh, significant moments to me throughout that year. And then I was like, I just want to, I feel like these will all match into one EP. And I wanted it to be, like, a collection of kind of, like, who I am since it's the first thing I've put out. Yeah. So it's like each song is important to me in a different way. Yeah, they don't really relate specifically. <laughs> Did you get to work on these on some gigs with the band over time? Or um, yeah, well, actually, um, with this band kind of came together because I was making these recordings and I was like, guys, I just like, do you want to play for these? And they're like, sure. And we didn't talk about like being an actual band. And um, we got together and learned the tunes and recorded them. And then I had more gigs from there. And then they were down to play. So we kind of just started playing together. Nice. Yeah. Is it a little <laughs> difficult now that everyone's like four sheets to the wind a little bit? You know, East yeah, Coast, West Coast? I think in the future, like if this is long term, everyone has plans to be in California. So I'm just trying to be patient with it. But um, yeah. But for now, yeah, it's a little bit there <laughs> did uh did you work uh with a producer at all on this record or um, EP or whatever? honestly jake um he was kind of like my side man helping me make the decisions and jake's the jake never yeah the guitar, guitar player, player yeah. like we've been playing together for a long time just you know like in our b band in high school together mm. so we're, we're used to each other's like way of communicating and the intention we wanted for it so i would say he kind of produced it with me but um yeah our recording engineer um, he he helped out too. Mm -hmm. mm. How how much did you uh, collaborate with well with Jake or with other members of your band in terms of groove and arrangement versus like how much did you kind of have mapped out go in your head going in? Yeah, I um I had all the songs mapped out how I would play them solo and then I I brought them to the band and that's kind of like the fun of it for me is to, I love bringing my compositions to different musicians and seeing what they bring to it like their interpretation of it and even though it's the same song, it always sounds a little bit different mm. because, you know, everyone's different. and <laughs> They totally. like interpret the music differently. But um, I think it's cool to be open like that. Like, yeah, all right, I wrote it. So, These are the notes. This is the thing. But do what you want. Like, yeah. You know. Collaboration wise, like I wrote it, but they added their own thing to it. And that's why it has this like, I don't know, unique sound to it. I feel it does. I, I, yeah. I, I like the way it came out. And there and, and there's it's well recorded and, and mixed and, Thank you. And, and it has it all has kind of a unique or sorry a similar vibe but also each track is, is very unique and yeah. sorry forgive me the random tangent question but uh i'm looking at it on my computer screen who did your album art that's very striking oh um my my best friend and sister uh that i went to <laughs> scpa with um she goes to the san francisco arts institute and she create she like created this giant like multimedia piece that's like from like there to there and it's this huge like I don't know I can show you a photo later but it's like this huge like painting and piece that we condensed into this little image and that's why oh, it looks kind of oh, cool. like hard to see on the but the, the colors are quite I've seen yeah. it slightly bigger than the thing oh, I'm looking was, at but... I'm gonna tell you as far as collaboration that first song that we just played um that one took the most collaboration because I like wrote it and I guess it wasn't like technically correct at all hmm. and like Johnny was like no 
like we need to like fix this up and so he kind of set that groove because I knew like the idea of it but he kind of set it technically correct because mm. I'm not very technically trained you know and he's he is so <laughs> you yeah. know that's why it's yeah. helpful to have the band members to really set it in so oh for the art really quick does mm. she have an instagram you can you can oh, give yeah. her the san diego sessions bump oh yeah let old, me let me give my girl sdsb okay, okay. it's amai which is a-m-a-y-i underscore bambole she like does like capoeira so she's all into her you know brazilian thing so so her her next thing is b-a-m-b-o-l-e amai underscore bambole all right yeah. Mm -hmm. check that out and we'll put that up on our instagram as well oh it's huge yeah wow (laughs) so the that's a cover art is wait that's that's you next to it right okay wow that this little uh this little you know yeah i got to hang out with the album art when i went to san francisco this summer quite literally because it's in her room like hanging all nice yeah well one thing i enjoy about this ep is for a young artist you have a concept of of doing it as a whole album you know, there's some ear candy in there, and then you have a couple <laughs> tracks that are just interludes, mm. right? How did you come up with the idea of, I don't know, just thinking yeah. of it as a as I a mean, whole piece? I just, you know, I listen to a lot of music, and I love when albums are kind of thought out and things lead into the next. And I don't think I, I want to do that even better next time around. But that was kind of, you know, the intention was like making a full piece that's connected throughout. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's something I love about rock albums and old psychedelic albums yeah. is there's always I odd mean, things in between songs or even in 90s hip hop records. There's there's little ear candy in well, there. Many people just put out like singles nowadays, yeah. you know, which is great. But I wanted to have something where I connected all the songs. Well, and with like, next. quote unquote, air quote, I'm doing my air quotes. But <laughs> jazz records, a lot of times it's just song, song, song and and there's not these interesting things tying it together. But mm, I mean, yeah. actually, Ger- Gerald Clayton's record, Life Forum, which was yeah. maybe three or four years ago, that's a really cool record because they switch up the sounds and mm. he has some pieces that are shorter mm-hmm. and then there's some spoken words. So Yeah, so, I love like, when I felt awkward like talking into like during the recording session. So I didn't do a whole spoken thing, even though we kind of wanted to, but... I just feel uncomfortable being all deep and poetic like that. But like, you know, that's why I write music so I can like express it through there. But like eventually I, I, I do love spoken words. So I feel like it'd be cool to like collaborate in that sense. Maybe on, know, the, on the next track. On the next yeah, track maybe. You could get a vocalist Leonard Patton to read read your spoken word. Oh, yeah. In but his, I will be taking a 50% voice. commission since yeah. I recommended him. <laughs> I don't know if you're like going to ask this later, but um, (laughs) we were just talking about collaboration, right? Yeah. Like um, my, my friend, like this whole album was like a collaboration with my friends who are artists, like every part of it. Like we made a music video and I collaborated with one of my closest friends who graduated from a film school who made that for me. And um, my friend made the art and it was all a very personal project with people who are like important to me. So I'm like proud of it personally, you know, like it's not really about whether people are listening to it or not. But I'm like, yeah, like that was a really great experience to work with people I love and see what they brought to it. That's great. I mean, it really does cement like a moment in time, not just in terms of your writing and your music, but also with the people in your life. Yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, One more thing. You mentioned briefly how you you studying Indian classical music, I believe. Mm hmm. At least I hope I think I'm, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. And I'm just somehow not just <laughs> psychically pulling that out of the ether. Uh, what what drew you to Indian classical music in the first place? Um. Well, I mean, the sound is cool, right? It looks cool. It's kind of 
also I'm I'm like a quarter Indian and it's a it's a side of my culture I haven't um explored too far in like I haven't been to India I've only met mem- like members of my family when they come here mm. and it's kind of a part of myself I'm still exploring and I'm curious about so I was like this would be a really cool way to like do it with, in a way that I really love since I love music and yeah, it's been really cool and I hope I can incorporate it into my music at some point, but I'm trying to like figure out how to like appropriately do that. You know, I want to respect the Indian classical form and like the traditional elements of it, but then I also, and also just figuring out the key differences, the way the sitar is tuned. And anyway, I hope yeah. after a little bit of thought, I want to eventually like, and once I'm better at sitar, like it takes so long to like get legit at, you know, the technique is like hard enough. So are you studying some of the Indian vocal techniques as well? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to like it kind of goes hand in hand with like learning sitar. Uh, um, yeah, that's true. And with all the percussion too, every it, everything yeah. in the Indian music that. world like goes with a <laughs> certain yeah. yeah it's totally. all matched up with syllables. So yeah. yeah, when you play, he encourages us to sing each name of the scale, you know, like sa re gama padanisa, you know, like while Whoa. you do it and um it kind of starts to go interchangeably your voice and instrument. But there's also Indian singers. So I have a really good friend I've made who's like professional Indian singer at UCLA, but she's like studying science. And Whoa. we keep talking about getting together and we want to like, I'll show her some jazz stuff and she'll oh, show me the Indian music stuff. Yeah. So I'm excited to learn more about the vocal qualities. I tried to like imitate my perception of it in the What's Inside song because that song's kind of about like what people are all capable of. And the personal element was adding the Indian uh kind of yeah that whole thing so um yeah that's kind of yeah my first kind of integration of the indian knowledge well the vocal tradition there is so so deep i mean probably one of the craziest most stressful moments i had as a recording engineer i was i was i had recorded this classical indian vocalist and it was more on a poppy kind of track and I had the producer on Skype from India and she was sitting there too. And they're wanting me to comp the vocal track. <laughs> and first of all, like, I don't know what they consider in tune or out of tune or the, the style. I mean, I know a little bit about it. And second of all, I don't speak the language. So they're trying to tell it me like, move this syllable also, up yeah. here and move that word up. And I, I'm all, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, you have to learn <laughs> but, how to tune it. It's like a whole oh my, thing. Oh my, wow. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really do any tuning. I mean, she's a, a wonderful yeah. singer, so it was pretty much on. But yeah. but trying to switch specific words from other takes. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know the words. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it was hilarious. Wow. But I pretty much got it. But um, cool. man, I was sweating. God, that sounds very stressful, yeah. <laughs> That's cool that, that you practice the syllables singing along with the sitar. Mm-hmm. Like I know um, uh, Esperanza Spalding always, like her practice routine, she always sings and plays bass. Like Right, so any instrument, yeah. My, you, my guitar teacher told me the same thing, sing while you It practice. just fused the two so they're one. Yeah, you become more one with everything you're doing, mm-hmm. yeah. Which sounds like a philosophical thing too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so what kind of new directions do you have in mind for your for your new record that you're going to be working on next yeah, year? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do a full record just because, you know, it's hard to get everything legitimately done in only a couple practices and then record it since we're, our band's not always in the same place. But, um, well, I feel like I'm like yeah. giving away my secrets right, right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> but um, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. The n- new direction for the, these recordings, I think I'm going to like 
only do like three or four songs instead this time around and just put more into a couple songs. Um, and as far as sound goes, I'm actually trying to practice like simplicity a little bit more, like a little more groove groove based. And um, mm-hmm. in this EP, I use a lot of major seven chords and I'm kind of trying to incorporate more minor stuff and hmm. just kind of what's like speaking to my heart more right now, sound wise. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I don't, and the reason why I haven't like written or finished these songs is because like I can't come up with the lyrics. I'm like trying to really like meditate on what I want to write about next and like what's really going to match each song. Cause I always have all these different songs I'm working on. I'm like, what do I make them about? And how do you, how do you demo out your stuff? Do you use like GarageBand or, or what's your no, process? No, I am so like tech, technologically challenged like I'm annoying I just like I I need to write charts for my tunes that's next but honestly I've just been like sending them like phone recordings or we'll like get together yeah. in person and I'm like play this part okay now we go to this part okay back to this part yeah. and like I don't know they somehow are good enough to just get on board with all that yeah well I mean it's so, great <laughs> it makes it easier because you play guitar yeah, we're right. musician you know yeah. we all right. kind of get it we're like okay yeah but at least if you're playing guitar next. it's like you can Oh, okay. I hear the chord. You sort mm-hmm. of hear me. And I, I love hearing what all the guys have to add. So I'm like completely open to any changes they might want to make or add to the song. So I always like to see how the final product is. It's always much different from what I thought. Hmm. Yeah. But that's cool. That's the magic. Of, that's br- why I love you, it. Yeah. You bring them stuff. It's like they did something with my music that I could have never done on my own or would have even thought to have done. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. It could be super mm-hmm. inspiring. Well, we're going to get into another tune from the EP and... Uh, again, or I don't think we mentioned it before, but it's called Current of Being, and you can stream it on Spotify or purchase it on the interwebs. And this next tune is called Wavelengths. I'm saxophonist Nick Caldwell, and this is San Diego Sessions.
Listening to San Diego Sessions. Subscribe on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com. forecast for December 14th through the 23rd. As always, here are the regular happenings. On Mondays, guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 p.m. to midnight. There's no cover and it's 21 and up. Every Tuesday, the Havana Jam is at Prohibition downtown from 8 p.m. to midnight. On Wednesdays, Gilbert Castellanos hosts his long-standing Wednesday jam session at Panama 66 in Balboa Park. Music from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come down early to hear the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring up-and-coming musicians from around the city. On Fridays, flutist Holly Hoffman presents Jazz Happy Hour at the Handlery Hotel in Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. No cover and your parking is validated. On Friday, December 14th, trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos performs with Mike Wofford on piano, Dean Hewlett on bass, and Tyler Crutell on drums. The following Friday, December 21st, vocalist Sherry Williams plays with Bob Boss on guitar and Rob Thorson on the bass. Also Fridays, Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate in the Plaza Bar of the Westgate Hotel. Music from 8 to 11 p.m. 
Every Saturday, vocalist and guitarist Steph Johnson is also at the Westgate Hotel from 8 to 11 p.m. Now here are your highlights for the coming weeks. On Friday, December 14th, pianist Mikan Zlakovich and trombonist Dave Scott play at Vins in Escondido at 6. Vibraphonist Jason Marsalis, the youngest member of the Marsalis family, performs at the Museum of Making Music in Carlsbad with his 21st Century Trad Band. Music starts at 7 p.m., tickets available online. Saturday, December 15th, you can hear the Joshua White Trio Plus One play the music of McCoy Tyner at Divi's with pianist Joshua White, bassist Dean Hewlett, drummer Tyler Crutell, and vibraphonist Matt DiBiase. Music starts at 8 and the cover is $20. On Sunday, December 16th, there's a jazz jam over at Aztec Brewery in Vista. Music starts at 5 p.m. Trombonist Andy Geib and his youth group, the Ambassadors of Soul, play at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. Singers Allison Adams Tucker and Leonard Patton team up to sing some holiday favorites at Dizzy's with guitarist Peter Sprague, bassist Sean Hickey, and percussionist Tommy Eros. Music starts at 7 p.m. The cover is $20. On Tuesday the 18th, the KSDS Jazz Orchestra performs Stan Kenton's A Merry Christmas for Jazz Live at the Seville Theater on City College campus. Music starts at 8 p.m. Call 619-388-3301 for tickets. And Jazz Live is a monthly radio broadcast, so if you can't make it, listen from home on Jazz 88.3 FM. Vocalist Erica Davies plays a short set at 7 grand from 10 to 11 p.m., followed by a late-night jam session hosted by saxophonist Charlie Arbelez. Thursday, December 20th, Old School Ska meets Jazz with Shuffle and Bang at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. Friday the 21st, Euphoria Brass Band gets down at 7 grand, starting at 10 p.m. No cover, but you must be 21. On Saturday the 22nd, you can hear pianist Mikan Zlakovich with his trio at Wildwood in Vista at 7.30. Sunday, December 23rd, Tim Felton and crew host their monthly funk jam at Panama 66 in Balboa Park from 6 to 8 p.m. Check out Sundays in the Park on Facebook to see a song list and sign up. And finally, guitarist and vocalist Steph Johnson and bassist Rob Thorson play at the Turf Supper Club from 8 to 11 p.m. No cover, but you must be 21 or older. Happy holidays, everyone. This is San Diego Sessions, your inside perspective on the San Diego jazz scene. Welcome back to San Diego Sessions, episode 50-something. Again, we're here with our guest, Sahara Grimm, and we just heard Sunshine Eyes with the Jazz Calendar, and before that, we heard a tune called Wavelengths. Uh, And for all our listeners out there, if you want to get some extras from the show, like video or see some pictures, please follow us on Instagram at San Diego Sessions Podcast. If you like us, head on over to iTunes, give us a quick little listen, you know, subscribe. If you like us, maybe leave us a nice review. It helps our numbers. Uh, Maybe, you know, give us a rating. If not, you know, just stay away. We're cool. We're cool. We're totally cool. No need to muddy the waters there. Uh, uh, Also, we're on Spotify. So if you've got the Spotify or the Spotify, as uh, my Danish friend calls it, um check us out on there we got all the episodes do it (laughs) yeah yeah. yeah. if you want to get in touch with us uh you have any comments or want to be a guest on the show you can hit us up sd sessions podcast at gmail.com now that we got all our plugs in without further ado 
I know you've been waiting two weeks for the next installment of the San Diego Seven with Edward Kornhauser and our guest, Sahara Graham. Yes, this is the San Diego Seven. These are seven questions we'd like you to answer from the top of your head and the bottom of your heart. Uh, number one, what's the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? I didn't have any hmm. any real real big important thoughts. So I was like, I want to go back to sleep. But right. My yeah. alarm rung three times already. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> Just like ah, uh, uh, life. No, uh, <laughs> no. That's Takes a, a while to get out of sleep mode. That's a fair mm -hmm. answer. I I'm in a similar situation. <laughs> Number two. When did you decide that you wanted to pursue music as a career? Oh, this, not to sound like silly, but like I, I always knew I wanted to do it. Like there's this, uh, I went to this little Japanese preschool for a little bit hmm. and they ask you like, draw what you want to be when you grow up. And we have this like old like drawing I made when I was like four. That's like singer. I, I've just oh. always wanted to do it. Wow. So I was a really little baby. Well, that's cool. You're pursuing <laughs> your dream. Yeah, I've just been doing it. Brad, that <laughs> kind, of, kind of makes it easy, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm lucky to know what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the people don't. <laughs> Ed got forced into it. Yeah, exactly. They actually Aww. kidnapped him at San Diego at the port, and then they made him play on a pirate ship. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I wanted his to, will. Ironically, I wanted to be a dock worker. Uh, number three. <laughs> uh, when you write, do you tend to write the music first or the lyrics, or does it vary? I, I think you kind of alluded to this you, earlier. Usually the, the, the music first. Hmm. Lyrics usually come last, yeah. I'll do like chords, melody, then lyrics. Have you have you always like dabbled in poetry though? Um, no, not really. Hmm. Usually, when I write, I usually like go through like I'll always write little phone notes when I have thoughts in my head or like in a journal, and then I kind of collect all those thoughts and try to expand on them or put them together. It's usually how I write. Very cool. Uh, number four. This is like a would you rather kind of a oh. thing. Would you rather go to adult summer camp or adult space camp? Definitely space camp. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Big time. Uh, the first year of college felt like adult summer camp. Like being in a dorm. That whole experience is like being in a summer camp, I feel like. Yeah. You, you had a better dorm experience like... than me, I think. <laughs> but I could, I could see that kind of. Yeah. yeah, space camps. I'm taking an astronomy class right now and um, definitely space camp. I took a bunch of astronomy in college too. Mm -hmm. I really liked it. I always wanted to go to space camp as a kid. I never went. Aww. I always thought that was the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah, it's specifically a, a black hole class. So it's kind of really? spooky. Yeah. Whoa, cool. <laughs> a whole class on that. Yes. Well, I took astrobiology, like the, the study of what it would take life to form on other planets and what it took here, which is kind mm. of interesting. We're going to start a GoFundMe to send Ed to space camp. Please. That would be <laughs> so Summer cool. 2019. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who did it. And then at the end of the camp, you do a like a VR mission. And they failed the mission. <laughs> and so they all died. Man. I always thought that was hilarious. You only get one shot. Uh, <laughs> number five. Uh, this is this versus that. Kind of like the beginning. Mm. Indian composer and sitar master Ravi Shankar versus American saxophonist and son of John Coltrane, Ravi Coltrane. Or Ravi. Both Ravis. <laughs> um, we get it. Yeah. No. <laughs> like... Like who I prefer. Yeah, it's a, this. Yeah, I guess pick one and only one. Hmm, I actually haven't heard much of Coltrane's son, so I guess I'd have to say the first one. Ravi mm. Shankar. Uh, mm -hmm. He was a he was certainly legendary and a prolific writer too. I think. Yeah. And 
Former San Diego resident. Yes, for in Encinitas, I believe. Yeah. Is where he lived out his final days. Number six. Uh, this versus that again. And this is building upon that. American saxophonist and son of John Coltrane, Ravi Coltrane, same, versus Scottish actor famous for his portrayal of Rubius Hagrid in the Harry Potter series, Robbie Coltrane. Oh, definitely Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, always thought, I always think that every time I see that guy, it's just, he's just a couple syllables away from a great jazz musician. Yeah. I quit. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> you got to admit, that's pretty good, right? Oh, man. Robbie Coltrane <laughs> versus Robbie Coltrane. We're ending it right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all okay, right. number eight. Number seven, and this is sort of just free association, whatever you want to say to this. Socks with sandals? It depends what kind of socks. <laughs> what kind of all socks? Right. What kind of, ding, I, ding, I demand ding. to know what kind of socks. Are depends what kind of sandals, you okay. know. <laughs> I'm so confused. Depends on your aesthetic choices or their are are there toe socks or are they like normal socks? I guess the are they like printed the, are they white? Are I guess they the the, dirty? Ta- the taboo socks with the the little little the the the, the sort of or like kind of the Japanese yeah like yeah, yeah the thing with the slit mm, in the that's middle. a look yeah the, those can kind of work with sandals I guess yeah maybe. sure socks with sandals yeah okay all right and that was edition fifty something of the San Diego Seven featuring Edward Theodore Kornhauser. Your benevolent host. I'm very benevolent. Your middle name's Theodore. Yeah. That's uh, special. Yeah, that's yeah. my. I was uh, named after my dad, and his dad named him the middle name Theodore for Teddy Roosevelt, who was apparently his favorite president. So nice. By that's so official. By damn the by proxy, I'm related. I'm or sorry, not related. <laughs> named after Teddy Roosevelt. You heard it here first. I'm not related <laughs> to Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Fake news. Hashtag Ed's related to Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Um, so you went, uh, you went, I, well, I believe you've been a couple times in Japan, but sometimes you, you go over there and get to, get to play a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, this last time I was in uh, Tokyo, we, there was like this underground bar. A lot of the um, restaurants and bars and shops are like underground. Yeah. So like, and, and they're all like in little alleyways. Anyway, there was a one kind of, there was a bar that's like usually an art event space. So they were having like an event with some other Japanese, um, musicians that played before me. And, um, they had a girl come do some really cool installation art. And it was, it was a really fun, like definitely one of my favorite gigs over there. Um, because I got to hear all the other artists in Japan, you know, and they would play their own music. And it was interesting to see what kind of music they were playing and what they mm-hmm. liked over there. Because um, it's kind of, you know, like, it's kind of, um, you know, like similar to some American music or they were doing covers in English and, you know, they memorized all the words. I was like, wow, like, that's that's super cool that they're doing all these tunes you hear over here. And um, Did, uh, did you perform solo or did you work with Yeah, I performed solo. Nice. It'd be nice to be there with the band one day, but... I did a gig yeah. once in Osaka and uh, the drum, the bass player uh, was half Japanese, half American sp- mm-hmm. um, and spoke both, spoke, spoke mm-hmm. Japanese with Kansai band and spoke English with a Boston accent. <laughs> and uh, he... But the drummer didn't speak any English, so communicating with him was interesting, especially when mm-hmm. we did some of my own music. That yeah. was super fun. And I went to a lot of jam sessions so where, where I was just like, I know how to say 10 words. You know? 
hi. Uh, yeah, but that's what's cool about music. Yeah, like I last year um, in Kobe, where my grandma lives, mm. I've liked to play at this um, bar called The Alchemy, mm. and it's like an English school during the day, but then at night it's like this like art music space. Oh, wow. And after I played like a little set there, some local musicians were around, and we all like jammed on summertime together and. And girl from Ipanema, kind of like simple standards, but like everyone knew them. And it's kind of fun to just play with um, that bar specifically attracts like tourists too, because it's like an English teaching place. So mm. they have like a bunch of young people from all over the world, but then they also have like Japanese locals. And it was like this cool, like big jam sesh. My my uh, yeah. my brother goes to my brother lives in Kyoto and he goes to this Irish pub all the time. They have an open oh, mic wow. night, and so yeah. every time I'm there, we've we've gotten a chance to play together. When I remember, I went one time and this guy got up with a shamisen, this sort of wow. Japanese banjo. I want to learn how to play. That. And uh, I've got one downstairs, but really? it's broken. Oh. Uh, but he played Jimi Hendrix on it in a really cool, convincing way. Wow! It was fan- it was really That's neat. Dope. It was really, really cool. That's cool. Like, I was just like, that. this fits. This yeah. fits. He was, like, totally, like, doing... So I think he was doing very non-traditional type of stuff, uh, maybe even tuning, playing. but it was yeah. still the instrument, the ancient instrument, so it was very cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, in Kobe, there's a, there's a whole street. It's called, like, Kobe Jazz Street, and they have, like, the whole street is just different little jazz clubs and venues. Oh. Wow. So next time I might go check those out. Now there's still a mm-hmm. thriving jazz scene in Japan for sure. Less so, yeah. I think, now than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. But I definitely there. like their appreciation for music over there. Totally. Yeah. I felt very, I felt, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's I funny felt, though, because, you know, crowds here can be very, like, interactive. And the yeah. crowds over there, they're they're listening. You know, they're not talking right. over you. Then you appreciate that they're listening. But then, you know, at the end, they're just like... Yeah. A lot yeah. of the times you it's know. the same in Europe. I was there with my wife a while back and we were talking very quietly yeah. at this just a crappy bar that had music and man, we got the stink eye, you know, just for talking <laughs> because you could drop a pin in there. Yeah. Everybody was listening to the music. Yeah, it's cool. So, they yeah, like an appreciation a, yeah. for live music as with I feel like people in at least my experiences in America feel kind of entitled to music. Like they don't even want to pay like 10 bucks to come see your show sometimes. That's true. And it's like, oh, but you're going to go see this, this movie for $15. That's a different, that's a whole different podcast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I just, whenever I've had that experience where the audience is actually listening, I'm like, are you, are you, are you, are you for real? I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know? (laughs) And like, ha, jokes on you. But no, it's, I, I guess well, some however, people do appreciate music. I <laughs> guess uh, from what I've gathered in, in New York, like in the glory days, like, you know, the f- mid 50s through the late 60s, if you went to those bars, I mean, most of the time the band would be playing from from nine until two or three and it would just be rowdy, like mm-hmm. probably people listening in the front, but talking in the back. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to Charles McPherson and one or, one or two other people who, who had seen Train and just they told me like when Train was playing or whatever. I mean, sometimes people would just be like, chatting it up at the bar or whatever <laughs> just totally different atmosphere right it wasn't like now when you go to a jazz club like blues alley in dc or the village vanguard or whatever you're going mm-hmm. just for the jazz um i think at that time it was more just like you're going to a club and right. got jazz. Right. who's this coltrane guy no <laughs> all right before i go off on too much of a tangent wait you mean hagrid yeah <laughs> i think oh man i think we're gonna we're gonna take it out but uh sahara for our listeners where where can they find you on the internet and get more of your music and find out about some gigs um 
Yeah, so you can listen to the music. I have it on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music, all those good streaming services. Um, if you want to check up on shows or some media and videos, I have a lot of that up on my website, which is saharagrimmusic.com. And for personal stuff and just smaller events I might not always be posting about on my main pages, I have like a personal Instagram I use a lot to Sneaky. get the word out. For the inside scoop. Sahara Grimm, <laughs> which is my Instagram. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for yeah, coming down and you. sharing thank your you. new <laughs> tunes with us. Yeah. Cool. And thank you, Ed Kornhauser, for co-hosting this 50-something episode. Yes. I hope Ooh. you all don't mind my very small apartment. Now that we're over 50, it's <laughs> just, we know it's all downhill from here. Exactly. <laughs> but before we do, go do into we the require, sunset. Do, do we, uh, do we, uh, can we get Medicaid yet? Yeah. <laughs> Almost. We're going to take it out with one more song. And this one is called Time Less.
Listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artist. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company.